Hey everyone, ESG Energize is honored to be sponsored by our good friends at mCloud. Their solutions help companies maximize production, automate operations, and optimize predictive maintenance. Their emissions management solution is so relevant right now with the Inflation Reduction Act. Go check out mcloudcorp.com to learn more. Welcome to ESG Energize, where we discuss the latest developments in the environmental, social, and governance arena that are impacting the energy industry today. Here is your host, Delfina Govia. My name is Delfina Govia, and many of you know me as a partner at Veritas Total Solutions, an innovative management consulting firm where I lead the ESG practice alongside my ETRM colleagues. You've heard me say it many times before. The mission of this podcast is to educate, engage, and energize. And there is a growing recognition that similar efforts need to be extended into our education system. Back in December, you may recall Timothy Kim from IBV Partners and I talked about the need for developing interdisciplinary curricula in our universities. Well, today, we explore the efforts of one organization to bring ESG tools to our teachers and children in K-12. through Lisa Janukas, Program Director for the State of Texas for SELF. Lisa, thank you for joining me here today. And please start off, right off the bat, spell SELF for us. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me. Um, SELF is spelled C-E-L-F, and that st- stands for the Children's Environmental Literacy Foundation. And we are open to any and all SELF puns affiliated with that. <laughs> well, Lisa, uh, for the purpose of my listeners, the reason why I invited you to speak on this podcast was to help educate and engage members of our community around the topic of education. We have been having, on the, both on this podcast and another podcast, and of course I'm having continuous conversations with people in the, the areas of energy transition and environmental, social, and governance, and it is amazing how many times we talk about the need for education, whether that be education at the collegiate level, you know, in, in universities where we have to combine uh, engineering and economic programs together to really come at this transition and ESG uh, goals that we have. And you are focused in a much different space, and that is more towards the children. So tell us what SELF does and how you make an impact for our children and our communities. So I'll start off by just sharing our mission because we are a nonprofit and um, we are mission driven and our mission is to establish a sustainability as an integral part of every child's K through 12 learning experience. And that comes through multiple different supports when it comes to education. We work with teachers in professional learning opportunities. We provide them with educational coaching. Sometimes we are in the classroom providing lessons that are sustainably Uh, have a theme of sustainability or focused on environmental literacy. Sometimes we provide green career guest speakers for students to understand what sustainability is or what jobs could be on the market for them in the future. We also provide
provide students with opportunities to access green space because when we're talking about our urban populations, um, a lot of times these children have not either been given permission to access green space, to touch soil, to touch bugs, um, and a lot of times they don't even realize that there are free green spaces near to them. And so our job is to really provide a lot of equity and access where a lot of times that there'd be mental blocks or even physical blocks, we try to provide that avenue for access. So tie all of that into how this is especially helpful and interesting to our students here in the energy capital of the world. Yeah, so in that regard, I think it's important to just be astute at the point that we are the energy transition capital of the world. Yes, we and are. And we need future talent, but we also need students that are going to be critical thinkers, they're going to be innovators, they're going to be collaborators. These workforce development skills are translatable across industry. But if we start to root these seeds early on in the K-12 space where they're creating of creating solutions to community-based problems, then this is gonna seamlessly flow into the energy transition. So we support teachers in providing them with air quality monitors so that students can have access to these widgets and understand how to do data capturing and data analysis. We provide students with opportunities to learn more about the local flora and fauna because native grasses and native species are one way to prevent flooding and also to it's important to know our place and to know what's the difference between invasive and, and native species. So we provide a whole plethora of different avenues and opportunities for students and teachers. And I think it's important to note that um, we don't have a cookie cutter approach and we're very relationship based. And so when we get to know a teacher, we get to know what's going on in the dynamic of their classroom, but also the dynamic of the school and the district. And so we tailor our services to what the need of that teacher is. And a lot of times that need is is bandwidth capacity and so sometimes we provide lessons or resources that the teacher would otherwise have to go look for other times it's providing green career guest speakers for a whole grade level because they have a specific project theme and so our job is to go hunt down that green career guest speaker and to connect them with those students and so it really is contingent on the need of the teacher or the need of the campus and then we are nimble and fluid to meet those needs so you said something uh, that was interesting, and it sounds to me from an educational perspective that you're not just bringing information, you're providing the teachers and the students with the means to have truly intelligent and informed and investigative discussions. Yes, I, I actually would like to expand upon that because you're absolutely right. We like to make sure that the investment from community stakeholders are taking place in the students as well. It can't always just be an army of one for the teachers. It takes a community, it takes a village. And so sometimes those village members are the community stakeholders, like the adult decision makers, those experts, those field industry experts. Um, we also like to call ourselves like the yentas of the EE world, <laughs> EE meaning environmental education. And what I mean by that is that we are matchmakers to the need of the teachers. We go find 
find those community resources. We go find those speakers. We go find the people that can prop up those teachers or the student projects or the student learning experience to make it richer, fuller, and more robust. And so that the students don't just get fed propaganda, that there's actual learnings and teachings, and that the oil and gas industry right here in Houston, Texas, is not an evil industry, right? It's, there's, there's so much value in all of it. And so, okay, I, I, I love that. I love the fact that you're putting tools in, in their hands. Do you have uh, specific programs? Do you divide this into uh, different programs that make it easier for people to understand everything that self brings? Are there, you know, how does that work? Yeah, no. Um, so we usually like to start off with our teachers um, through something called the Summer Institute. And that's a deep dive immersive experience where teachers can take off their teacher of record hat. They no longer have to think about the specific needs of each of the individual students. And they can come in as a complete teacher and think about just their projects, their lessons. And what we do is we walk them through project development. We help them with inquiry, like establishing an inquiry question and leading them all through the steps. We have six steps in our civic science program to a culminating event of action. Sometimes teachers want to talk about community gardens. Sometimes they want to talk about recycling. Other times they want to talk about infrastructure and the lack of sidewalk, sidewalk accessibility surrounding the school. So it's really contingent on the place-based problem that the teachers are coming into. So when that summer institute is done, Teachers get to go and enjoy their summer, and then the new academic year begins. And that's the, the reality of the situation yeah. of the project. Yeah. And so after the first six weeks, which we leave the teachers alone for that six weeks because they're getting acclimated, we reach back out to the teachers and we ask them, so what is it that you need to implement these projects? And so sometimes it's educational coaching where we spend time with teachers looking at their lesson plans and trying to understand field trips or guest speakers, or maybe they need a science trunk for manipulatives, because that's been super important as of late. Uh, during the COVID years, we have done a lot of exclusive virtual learning, but now we're on the other side of this, and kids need actual tangible manipulatives. So our job is to go find those manipulatives and to provide those resource and equity pieces to the students. Um, we also provide, as I mentioned earlier, green career guest speakers. Um, this specific program is near and dear to my heart. Uh, it launched here in Houston because uh, we were present. We were approached by a principal who asked us to go find green career speakers who reflect the demographic of the students. And so that has been our charge, is to go find diversity representation when we talk about green careers. And I want to just clarify one point. The green careers of, of my childhood is not the green careers of today, because at this point, green careers can be anything that is focusing on sustainability. So technically, you are holding up a green career as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we've the, the topic of green is it, it has some implications to it, right? And that could be negatively. Uh, re, you could react negatively to it. That you know, that's a bunch of, of you know fluffy stuff or whatever. But I think that we're we're recognizing that today with the sustain the sustainability of our planet we are all having these discussions that is going to be a collaborative effort that involves uh, my industry the oil and gas industry that is continuously vilified mm -hmm. it, in, it involves the cooperation and collaboration of the oil and gas industry with renewable energies and with a lot of other sustainable topics and we're bringing to light that 
we've we've really been working apart and now we're coming together more because there's a recognition that you know we all have to collaboration is the only way forward is it is the only way forward so with these the access to training and teaching you mentioned that you were approached by a principal how do communities if i'm some sort of community leader if i am on the houston city council if i am just a teacher in k through 12 how do i get access to self and self resources yeah that's a great question so um, a lot of times we do um, marketing outreach, social media outreach, um, but we also work closely with Region 4, which is an education entity that works closely with TEA, which is the Texas Education Agency. And so they help um, us connect with district administrators or campus administrators that see a need for these sustainability-themed projects. Um, there's another component and another program, to your point that you were asking about access, is our civic science programming. because. Our civic science program um, actually initially began in New York City in partnership with Mount Sinai Pediatric. And it was focused on air quality because there was uh, just uh, concentrated areas of high pediatric asthma rates within the city. And so they, there was a deep dive look at why the, there was this issue, but it was also an opportunity to provide air quality monitors to students to teach them to capture their own data, to teach them to understand what data analysis and unpacking that data looks like. And so from that first civic science pathway, we've actually been able to branch out to biodiversity, to water quality, to waste, um, to infrastructure. And so that civic science pathway has really gleaned a lot of interest from teachers. And so when we send out a shout out or when we send out announcements about civic science, a lot of times these teachers are signing up because they find that they need a little more depth in data analysis because even though the curriculum is there, sometimes they don't have the practical application of capturing that data and then unpacking that data. What does Mm. that unpacking the data look like? Because teachers and students sometimes get overwhelmed with the amount of data that they have. And so then that's our job to find those field experts to help them unpack the data and to really understand what's being told because data can tell a story. Absolutely. Um, I don't know why this came to mind, but I'm sure you're going to laugh at this. And my listeners are going to laugh going, oh, my gosh, Delphine, you're so old. But I remember when I was a kid in elementary school, some I think it was my fourth grade teacher somehow was teaching us that hot dogs had rat hairs in them or something. Right. And so all of the kids went running home. And this is, you know, when I when I was a kid, nobody looked at, you know, healthy school lunches. Right. I remember everybody running home going, oh, my God, there's rat hairs and hot dogs and all the parents going, what the heck? Right. <laughs> so how so let's approach things a little bit more scientifically. Let's give them real facts. Let's also give them data and a means to be able to mine that data themselves. Right. To take a look at it and, and, and understand it and analyze it. Um, and those are skills that that are going to serve them in other areas of life, right? Especially when we're talking about the energy transition, <laughs> yes. we need those skills, and we need those students to have that have those skill sets that are second nature. We don't want them to to enter into the workforce and needing to learn all those skills. We want them to already have some kind of experience so that when they enter into the workforce, they can contribute to solutions. 
and facts, right? Yes. And and also to be able to ask intelligent questions and not just, you know, listen to what somebody feeds you because they have some sort of agenda, right? So that's our first step to our civic science pro- program is inquiry. What are you curious about? Tell Love us it. about your curiosity so that we can help you formulate a question so that when you're working on your project, that curiosity is at the forefront in driving that project. So my curiosity right now is you already mentioned air quality, um, and, and water, uh, what other civic science pathways are going to be available to us in the future? Are you developing other ones? Are you developing ones that might possibly be of real interest to us here in Houston, Texas, given that we are the energy transition capital of the world? What's on the horizon for self for, for pathways? So we're, we are looking to develop an energy specific pathway. Oh. Um, I think it's important to look at energy in itself. I think kids don't realize that when they plug something in, there is uh, units being transferred. There's like, they don't think about energy. No. They think about it like air. They, it's just magical and it's there. It's there, yes. And I think it's important to break that down of like the reason why the lights are on, the reason why we are able to record this session is because of energy. And so instead of kids taking that energy for granted, we need to break down, well, what is it? And how is it going to impact your quality of living? But also, how can we think about energy in in terms of the future as well. So we are looking to expand upon that energy pathway. Um, We've also been working um, to create curriculum and resources around electric bus fleets. Uh, We are also looking at hydroponics and aquaponics as potential pathways as well. Wow, that is a lot. It is. (laughs) (laughs) So how, what's it gonna take to get these pathways launched you said that they're coming up that you're looking to do this do we need sponsorship do we need uh more resources thrown in? what is what is it going to take it it's a mixed bag okay <laughs> um campus introductions uh because sometimes those students are the ones that spearhead those projects and we learn from their project implementation we learn about what their project development looks like, and that's where we glean our information. Um, It's also gonna take corporate investment in these pathways, because for each of these pathways that we've developed of air, water, biodiversity, waste, and infrastructure, we have found resources, we've found curricular supports, we have found project development that all allows for the teachers to use these resources without them having to create it themselves. We're trying to expedite the planning process for the teachers so that they don't have to spend that time investing in that where they can take these resources and find the ones that serve them and serve the classroom needs and the focus as well. So that corporate investment is really important. Um, I'm also looking for green career guest speakers in any of these pathways. So if we have any energy uh, industry leaders that would like to speak a little bit more about their path and the benefit that their career has had, but also what this means for children, I would love to connect you with students and have you speak to them about your personal individual journey. Because kids need to know that 
going into a career is not a linear path. It's a winding epic road of challenges, setbacks, side hustles, side jobs, <laughs> and failures and successes. Um, we'd also love to invite anyone from the <laughs> energy capital. It's a huge invitation. I don't know. I might, I might regret this invitation. <laughs> but we also have a student symposium coming up in March, uh, March 8th. Um, and that student symposium is actually the culminating event of the civic science pro projects. And so this is an opportunity for students to present their projects that their students had that their teachers had created in the summer and the reason why that this symposium is different than any other showcases or science fairs is that the audience isn't mom and dad the audience isn't campus uh, personnel it isn't just the campus community these are adult industry decision makers that are the audience these oh, are wow. professionals that already are aware and have an, have a, a knowledge of the pro their projects and can really feel those questions and really push those kids a little bit in that that tension of, of expanding their learning and so we would like to invite one and all to come and enjoy seeing what the students have worked on, invested on, but also ask them those difficult questions because it's a safe space for students to learn and to fail a little bit and maybe just stutter and trip over their words. But we want them to have those real world experiences with those industry professionals because they too are gonna one day be in those shoes. Yes, they are. And so this symposium, if I'm if I'm understanding it, it can I, can I simplify it to a science fair with a twist? <laughs> yes, yes, you can. <laughs> yes, they're, they're, all, they're all winners, <laughs> and there's no com competition, but it's, it's a place for students to present their findings, and it's also a place for adults to ask them those challenging questions to try to expand the, those projects a little bit farther. How much do you want to bet that the parents, the industry people, whoever's in that audience is probably learning just as much as those children. I mean, mutual <laughs> learning is, is the key, right? right. Yeah. And so you mentioned that this is the symposium that's going to take place here in Houston in March. Yes. And you also mentioned New York. SELF is a national organization? Yes. Uh, so we have, we be launched 20 years ago, we're coming up to our wow. 20th anniversary in 2003. Almost ready to drink. I know, we're almost <laughs> drinking age. Uh, so we launched in New York in 2003 um, by uh, a mother who actually found that her children were so exuberant and excited and wanted to talk about sustainability on Earth Day. And they, that passion and that fervency to make a difference just took her breath away. But just like all things, with Earth Day, after a couple days, that fervency tends to wane and we tend to forget that yeah. we need to continue this practice. And that was a, her aha inspirational moment of realizing that teachers are the key to that constancy of talking about sustainability and to incorporate experiential learning opportunities outside of the classroom. This traditional sit and get of sustainability is not effective. We have to yeah. have students actually touch and feel and experience and create and collaborate and discuss a lot of things that are going to be needed for when they're in the workforce. And so when she started that nonprofit, um, 
in New York, she was able to work with New York Public City Schools. And that allowed for her to uh, collaborate with the school system to in in integrate sustainability officers at each campus. Oh, wow. And that is still positioned here today. That is a requirement that each campus needs to have a sustainability officer. Um, from the launch of the civic science program in, in connection with Mount Sinai, um, LA Unified School Districts were curious about the civic science program and reached out to self and started projects and different types of resources and, and focuses uh, in LA. And then in 2019, um, we were actually brought here by a private equity firm. Oh, wow, a private yes. equity firm brought you. Okay. Yes, um, First Reserve brought us here to Houston because they saw the need when, it talks, when we talk about air quality, we can talk about Houston's air quality, and it's relevant in LA and it's relevant in New York, but we also need to talk about air quality here in Houston. And so because of the, uh, the foresight and just the powerful investment that was made, um, we were able to begin uh, programming and offices and, and everything here in Houston in 2019. So yes, we are nationwide. Uh, we are a small but mighty team. There's only seven of us. And in that, through seven of us, and over the past 20 years, we've been able to work and reach 1.5 million students. We have trained 15,000 teachers, and we have worked with campuses, over 5,000 campuses in that time. And so we are a lean, mean fighting machine, but we also are mission-driven. We do believe kids should have that access and equity when it comes to sustainability, and not just the messaging, but those opportunities, having access to green space, understanding the benefit of of soil versus what it, what is soil versus dirt, um, understanding what career pathways they could have, and a lot of times just circling back to that green career speaker series that we provide. A lot of times we provide those speakers. The speakers even say to the students, "I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't think that I had it in me, but here I am today, and I want to give that message to you." And the inspiration and hope that the, these industry professionals are giving students are the things that are going to really drive and influence the workforce for the future. That is very exciting to tr for me as a parent. Um, and I also want to share with my listeners that I attended recently a self event. And the people that were in, in the room were quite a few oil and gas industry folks that were supporting self, that were supporting the training, the teaching that they're doing. Because I can attest as an oil and gas professional uh, of my child coming home and you know right smack in the middle of you know the oil and gas capital and the now the energy transition capital of the world, she would oftentimes come home and there were questions that needed to be asked that it was clear to me that some way somehow somebody had put a negative thought in her mm. head about our industry and so we as uh, oil and gas professionals supporting self supporting the education that you're providing for the teachers who in turn are providing to the students and then working with them and then with the sponsorship of the uh, the people in the community companies in the community uh, it's really bringing the right conversation to bear. So uh, 
did you want to share with us by any chance any of the institutional supporters that you have? Can you do that with us? Yes, so. I can do that. And actually, um, just to that point, I, I think it's important that we focus on collaboration because collaboration is the only way forward, especially if we're going to be talking about energy transition, especially if we're trying to just think about what the future looks like. And so we collaborate with um, a diverse array of partners. Um, we work with um, Linde and First Reserve. Um, we've worked with San Diego Foundation, Baker Hughes, National Geographic Society, uh, Port Houston, Worley, uh, Fleur, uh, Crestwood, Micmac CX, uh, Plume Lab, which has just been recently um, acquired by AccuWeather, Con Edison, Blue Bear Capital, Newberger Berman, um, the, we've also worked with the National Academies, specifically the Gulf Research Program. We're currently doing something with them. Uh, and also the, the Howard Family Foundation and the Westchester Community Foundation. And so from, oh, and I apologize, and Tricon as well. And so we've actually, um, we try to make sure that when we're talking about collaboration, we have many different partners and many different voices in the room because not only do the teachers inform our work, but our partners and our sponsors inform our work as well. And we sometimes we have to keep our pulse on what the conversations are so that we understand how to shift and how to be nimble, but also to understand what's what the need is so we can address those needs. Brilliant. So Let's wrap this up. Yes, ma'am. People want to get involved. I know they do. Yes. Organizations are talking about this. I'm going to give a shout out to Mark LaCour on our, um, one of our other podcasters, Oil and Gas This Week. And he recently had Gretchen Watkins, the Shell US president, on the show. And she mentioned how we needed to bring education into our classrooms. So shout out to the other show. Shout out to Shell. Uh, for recognizing that this is also important. Tell people how to get involved. How do they access you? How do they find you? Is there a website? What do you want, what do you want to tell people? To well, our website is selfeducation.org, so C-E-L-F-education.org, and you can take a look at our different programming. Um, our, our email and, and phone numbers are on there. Um, but I, I would like to challenge the listeners to go a little bit farther than just peruse our website. I would like to challenge them to be a green career guest speaker. Reach out and share your passion with students because that passion is going to be the thing that is going to spark that inspiration in children that may not think about this, these things. Um, but if your schedule's too busy, which we do understand everyone is doing a million things these days, um, we would love to talk about um, campus introductions. Introduce us to maybe your kid's campus, or maybe introduce us to a campus that your company is investing in, because we love to provide that project-based approach um, to the teachers. We'd love to provide that training and that support. We'd love to be that matchmaker for that campus to provide the resources that they may not realize are available to them. Um, there's also an opportunity to, to do individual donations, but I think the thing that SELF would really um, as an organization would really benefit from our, is that multi-year corporate sponsorship and taking that social responsibility and expanding upon it from not just being year to year but multi-year and investing in us to grow with the teachers and and when I mean by grow it's not about growing as an organization but growing in our reach for our teachers so although we are present in the state of Texas we do a lot of our services in the greater Houston area yet we work with teachers in Dallas Fort Worth we 
we work with teachers down south in the Rio Grande Valley. And we would like to expand those resources. We'd like to expand those opportunities, those programming um, opportunities to these teachers because a lot of times teachers are tired. Teachers are worn out. Teachers um, are at capacity. The education industry has encountered a number of significant blows in the past couple of years. So corporate multi-year corporate sponsorship would allow for teacher stipends that teachers can invest back into their classroom or micro grants where projects can be funded. Um, it'll also allow teachers to attend our um, our events and our and our professional learning opportunities without paying for it out of their pocket. Um, I did want to just point out one thing. Um, the difference between New York, Texas, and California is in regards to how teachers salaries are. And so in New York and in California, uh, if a teacher decides to invest in themselves $250, $500 in professional learning, that will increase their pay scale the following year. And Texas doesn't have any, any system set up. So we try to prevent teachers from paying anything for our programming here in Texas just because we understand the situation they're, they're in and we're not looking to take from them. We're looking to give to them. So the, Multi-year corporate support will allow for us to keep on giving to them, allow for us to support them in green experiences, allowing them to go to field trips, allowing them to have guest speakers come either on the campus or connect virtually, allowing them to have STEM kits so that they can unpack STEM kits and actually learn. Um, it just allows more equity and access. So I think the, the the, the big thing that our organization needs is that corporate sponsorship, but also that, that partnership to make sure that these teachers and the students are not uh, being removed from these opportunities. We need more access and equity, and that does come from corporate sponsorship. You've heard it, listeners. Step up, become a, a, a green speaker, a green contributor, uh, invest. Find your local schools, your districts, get them to come to the table. Let's have these conversations and let's get our children on the right path to contributing to environmental, social, and governance issues in, in this world. Lisa Janukas, thank you so very much for joining us here on the ESG Energize podcast. Thank you, Delphina. It's been wonderful. Join us again next week on the ESG Energized Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.